The Notorious Offenders from Weir, Season 1, Episode 13. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 13 of Revolutionary War Rarities, the podcast from the Sons of the American Revolution. My name is Jim Griffith. And my name is Jim Maple. Jim, have you ever heard of Weir, New Hampshire? Yes, I've heard of it. Tell me more. Well, it turns out that Weir, New Hampshire, played a critical role in the rebellious acts that led up to the American Revolution. As a matter of fact, it was an initial rebellion which is believed to have led directly to the Boston Tea Party. Ah, yes, the Pine Tree Riots. Correct, the Pine Tree Riots. The Pine Tree Riots were about 150 years in the making. It turns out that eastern white pine trees were prevalent in New Hampshire during that time. It also turns out that the British had the largest navy in the world and required large white pine trees for the masts of their ships. The British had significantly deforested their land for this same purpose and could not maintain that navy without these trees. So it turns out that the pine trees were the crude oil of the day. There was a finite supply of the trees, and whoever could control that supply could potentially control the seas. Yes, Jim. So the king declared that all white pine trees exceeding 24 inches in diameter were the property of the king. Then this would be chained to any tree that exceeded 12 inches in diameter. Correct. So the first trees supplied to England were harvested and shipped in 1634. By 1690, it was truly discovered what the value of these trees were, and then it started to be controlled. By 1722, King George I, the grandfather of King George III, made it so that a license was required to cut white pine trees of New Hampshire and significant fines were established for breaking that law. Well, Jim, it turns out that this law was just ignored until 1767 when John Wentworth was appointed surveyor of the King's Woods. Then, there was a survey of sorts that was required of all land before it could be cleared. That survey resulted in the identification of all trees which could be used on British ships to be marked with a broad arrow. None of these trees could be cut by law. So in the winter of 1771 and 1772, 270 mast-worthy logs were discovered at a timber mill in South Weir, New Hampshire, present-day Riverdale. Now, here is where things got ugly. Two men were given responsibility for delivering arrest warrants to the offenders from Weir. They were named Benjamin Whiting, who was the county sheriff, and John Quigley. So on April the 13th, 1772... Whiting and Quigley galloped into town and found Ebenezer Mudgett, who was one of the offenders, cutting large white pine trees. Ebenezer Mudgett promised to come and pay his fine the next day. Instead, Mudgett showed up at Quimby's Inn, where Whiting and Quigley were overnighting. But he showed up with 20 additional men who beat Whiting and Quigley with an inch of their life. Ultimately, the locals who were accused of breaking the law were arraigned and played a little, a very light fine. Nothing close to what was originally demanded by the law. In the end, it was believed that many of the light sentences received for this type of action 
resulted in more confidence in rebellion and less confidence in the British authority to enforce these types of laws. Okay, Jim Maples, you ready for some trivia? Absolutely. Okay, so it turns out that other people who broke this law paid the fines. However, the men from Weir, New Hampshire, refused. What was the term applied to those men who refused to pay the fine? Well, the title of this particular episode is The Notorious Offenders from Weir. So I'm assuming they're refer, referring to as, referred to as notorious offenders. That's correct. Easy one. Have you ever heard the name of Mudgett before? And if so, do you know the significance of that last name? Jim, I've never heard of that last name. So, well, it turns out that Ebenezer Mudgett had an infamous cousin named Herman Webster Mudgett in the late 1800s. He had other names that he went by, too. Dr. H. H. Holmes was one of those other names. It turns out that Herman Webster Mudgett became infamously known as the first serial killer in the United States and is the subject of an award-winning book entitled The Devil in the White City. Okay, another question for you, Jim Maples. Why were eastern pine trees preferred for the mast of a ship? Jim, they had a higher sap content than the previous British trees and would therefore extend the life of the British ships. That's correct. Absolutely. Now, do you recall the symbol that was on the flag, an appeal to heaven? Yep. It was a pine tree. Exactly. Now, there are a number of reasons as to why the pine tree could have been on the appeal to heaven flag, but the pine tree riots came to symbolize strength and resistance within the colonies, and therefore the pine tree held significance during that era. And so it goes, the breakaway from England took time, and there were many contributing factors which played a role, just as significant as the tea and sugar acts were the pine tree riots in New Hampshire. John Muir was once quoted as saying, between every two pine trees is a door leading to a new way of life. Well, in some ways, the pine tree riots led to revolution, and revolution led to the creation of a new country, which we enjoy to this day. And today we salute those colonials who defended their right to the natural resources of New Hampshire. Without defending those resources, the results could have been an even larger British Navy. So something as simple as a pine tree helped to ultimately ensure our independence. And for that, we are thankful. My name is Jim Griffith. And my name is Joe Maples. And we thank you for joining us today. And please be sure to join us for the next episode of the Revolutionary War Rarities Podcast. This has been a production of the National Society, Sons of the American Revolution, www.sar.org.